Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 57 of the Racing Line podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by Just Joey. Joey, how are you, mate? Very well, mate. Very well yourself. Yeah, good. Thank you. It's um, It's been nice having Formula One back at Coda, but yeah, um, tonight we'll be discussing Formula One, MotoGP, and doing a preview of supercars on the Gold Coast this coming weekend. So if you haven't checked it out yet, jump on KO. Um, Formula One, we're at Coda this weekend. Max Verstappen took his 13th win of the season. Red Bull sealed the Constructors' Championship. Um, pretty eventful race. Joey, what did you make of it, mate? Mate, I thought that was the, probably one of the best races you could have that was pretty much a dead rubber from, you know, from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. I thought there was enough... I thought there was enough drama at it. I mean, it's it never it's it does it's surprisingly a bit that it's the um apparently it's it's the biggest attendance at a race this year, and it was following the uh, Melbourne right. The Melbourne got four hundred and twenty through the gates, mm-hmm. and um, this one got four hundred and forty. So massive turnout in the Lone Star State, um, and realistically, I suppose that's why they're pushing for three races there because they know that at the moment, you know, the sport is in such high demand there. Um, and with races like that, I think it's, it just bodes well for them in in particular that they have a great track there and it always puts up some good, ra- some good racing. Yeah, I think I think that's the main thing, though, that Coda is a good track. Miami was not a good track, and from all reports, the event as a whole wasn't that great, but Coda always puts on a good event. So I think that's, so far, the best advertisement for Formula 1 in the U.S., um, yeah, the crowd. The I think I messaged the chat yesterday during qualifying. That crowd, like, just there's grandstands everywhere. They're all packed. Like that that grandstand as you're coming up to turn one, going up the hill. That just looks ridiculous. It's a proper amphitheater. That 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 one there. Yeah, it's um, magnificent. Um, just the track itself, mate. Like those, you know, turn one. Then you've got the, the you know the Suzuki kind of S's. Yeah, you go through like just that whole first sector is just phenomenal, and even sector three, like sector two is mostly straights, um, is the back straight and a few little turns here and there. But sector three is pretty awesome, as really long right hander. Well, I think sector three we saw some really great racing there between Verstappen and Lewis, as 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 um you know Lewis got overtaken for the um for the lead, and I think that really showed you know, how good of a complex that can be when you can sort of be both of them running totally different lines, Um, you know, Max running the conventional line and then Lewis every chance he could get running the sort of an alternate um, line. And, um, you know, it that track, because, because of its nature and because of its, you know, its, um, its deep braking zones, it never ceases to disappoint. I mean, we even had some, some, I would say, unwelcome drama, but drama nonetheless with... Um, with Alonso running into the back of Stroll, getting launched into the fence, Stroll's car being too damaged to continue, and Alonso somehow getting out, finishing in the points, and then getting a penalty after the fact for being released of an unsafe car. I'm like, yep. dude, it finished the race. What are we what are we what are we discussing here? Kudos to the safety of that car. That car, I don't know how it managed, because that was in the air, hit a wall and still managed to stay on track like but same with the Mercedes. Like it's happened a few times this season. It's had like collisions front on, 
like you know I think Lewis hit a wall at one point he just reversed out he buried it yeah I don't, I don't know what that wing's made of but I think they all need to make it out of that wing because that thing is indestructible well if you look at the um the Red Bulls their one's definitely not indestructible <laughs> um yeah. but you know I, 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 I keep going sorry pinged for that yeah, I think once it comes off, it's fine. But I just think that the whole penalty for um, for Alonso is somewhat ludicrous, to be honest. Um, 30 seconds is exorbitant. It's ridiculous. It really is. I mean, to, to go through that and then come back, finishing the points is is an amazing feat in itself. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I know I just read that Alpine is appealing that. Um, and, you know, I think they have every right to do so. Um, yeah, honest, when I, when I first saw it, I was like, it showed it and then it showed an Alpine going in the pits and I was like, oh man, um, what's his name? Ocon. Ocon's had an incident as well. And I was like, no, that's Nando's helmet. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no way he's going back out there, but um, it seemed to be all good. I mean, other than that, I thought um, qualifying was a good spectacle. Ferrari, uh, Saints, you know, looked really good until his unfortunate collision with, well, not his unfortunate collision, um, Russell's unfortunate collision into him on uh, on turn one, which looked a bit pedestrian. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Ferraris had really good pace this week and it was sort of unfortunate that once again, probably this one through no fault of their own, um, they probably left to ruin a, a, a race victory. Uh, and then I'd probably say the other thing that I was interested in was Red Bull winning the Constructors' title on the, you know, the weekend that, What's his name? Um, the founder of Red Bull. Yeah. Um, what's his name? D- Dieterich. Yep. Um, you know, passes away. So I suppose it's a bit of a poetic send. Uh, probably send off for him, to be honest, for all the for all the money he's probably invested into the sport. And I think that's one thing I want to touch on as well when we get to supercars. Is just the amount of you know money that some people are willing to you know put into the sport. And then just get your get your thoughts on um, when someone's willing to put in that much money and build a you know an uh, organization from the ground up pretty much and make it into the juggernaut that it is you know like who is who are people to stop it but we'll talk about that later but I just think on this weekend it's good to just rem- remember that where that team came from and where it is now. Well, in terms of Red Bull, realistically, like I'm not a massive Red Bull fan. Um, Obviously, followed them. The team or the drink? Both. <laughs> I prefer V. But um, look, I think Red Bull has changed Formula One. You know, when 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 he bought, I think it was Jaguar. Yeah, Jaguar. Um, kind kind of a also ran team back then. You know, the first couple of years of Red Bull went to crash hot. Um, I think it was Coulthard and, and Weber. They actually were finishing behind the Toro Rosso at the time. I think Vettel got his first win before Red Bull got, like in the Toro Rosso before Red Bull got their first win. So the amount of money he, he's invested in that and for them to win what now? Five constructors and six World Drivers' Championships. It's pretty phenomenal considering the domination Mercedes has had. You know, we've got teams like Ferrari and McLaren that are in the sport. I think they've changed the sport. They came in, they were like the party team back then. Um, and I think they've brought a lot to the sport. 
I don't think they've bought be where it is today without Red Bull. They've brought a lot of competition to the sport, especially realistically considering that they're not a OEM, they don't make their own engines. Or well, I suppose now they do more so than ever. Um, but like realistically, they haven't they haven't got the might of a car manufacturer behind them. They do it sort of um, just through, uh, you know, hard work and, you know, just demanding excellence. So a, lot of, a lot of the same things that we, we talk about Mercedes uh, and yeah, a lot of, a lot of money and to, and to, and to bankroll two teams, not just, you know, the, 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 the F1 team, but you know, the, the um, tour also, and then also the whole, you know, Red Bull young drivers program as well um, is a massive, massive financial, um, you know, undertaking. And realistically, if you pull that out of the sport, where would the sport be? Definitely not, you know, on the um, in the same shape. And realistically, as well, they've also brought in this whole wave of um, other teams having, you know, developing their own young driver um, systems. We see Williams with one, Mercedes picked one up pretty much. Ferrari have one as well. Um, but that all came from Red Bull. Um, so, you know, farewell. You will be... Uh, You'll be somewhat missed, uh, but you know, thank you for leaving the sport in a better place than when you probably found it, which is all you can really ask. And just on that driver, the driver academy, I think they said like eight to ten drivers on the current grid of Red Bull Juniors. Like you got Danny Rick, Max, Seb, Carl, Albon, Albon, Pierre, Yuki. Well, that's seven. I can't. You know, I'm pretty sure it was eight, eight or nine, something like that. So, I'm trying to think of who else is on there, but yeah, pretty insane when you think that one academy has produced pretty much half the grid. Yeah. Um, so. It's wild. Yeah, wild, but I wanted to touch on um, George Russell. That probably not his best weekend. That move, I don't know. It's not like Carlos came out of nowhere. He was ahead of him. And I just don't understand George's thinking and going so... Like, I just don't understand. Like, it looked amateurish. Like, it didn't, he's been driving so well all year. The last few races, you know, Lewis has been looking a lot stronger. But I don't... What, what was he thinking? Um, I think realistically, it was... He's come into the corner taking a, a you know alternate line, and probably thought that um, Carlos uh, Carlos would see him and, and alter his line, but re- they've both joined. Um, they've sort of both met uh, at a part where neither of them expected to in terms of like the the apex of their corners. Um, like in in hindsight, it looks really stupid, but I can sort of understand how it happened. I just think for a first corner incident, it just looks very pedestrian, you know, just get through there and then, you know, you have a whole race to fight for it. Um, mm. Yeah. Realistically, since probably halfway through the season, he hasn't looked as comfortable as you would say at the, at the start. I mean, and, and also I think it was Lewis hasn't been out qualified by him, I think for seven races or something now, which is, I don't know if it's saying something about him or something about Lewis but I definitely think he hasn't looked as um, as sharp as Mr. Consistency had at the start of the year. Mm. Yeah, I think Lewis yeah. is, is getting comfortable with the car and we can see 
as good as George is, I think Lewis is just that maybe step above at this point. I think also it's an experience thing. Mm. Like it could easily be an experience thing, but um, yeah, just a really pedestrian mistake. Um, I mean, I don't want to be too critical because I can sort of understand how it does happen. But yeah, I mean, first corner, just get through there. Like you definitely like if you think about if I'm sure even if he thinks about it, you know, again he'll probably understand exactly where the where the problem he made was, and just I think it was just him um, thinking or preempting that he that that Carlos would see him and move, and Carlos realistically doesn't even have a chance to look over and move because he's on a totally different trajectory. Um, but yeah, it really stuffed up Carlos's race, and I thought he was probably the, probably one of the best weekends he's had in terms of how he looked. Yeah, and like he again, he hasn't been having the best second half of the season. So this was the weekend where he kind of, you know, had the momentum. I thought he would. I thought he was going to at least finish. I think I had him down a second. Yeah, I just think that Red Bull is just ridiculous at this point. But um, yeah, it sucks for Carlos. But um, the little battle, I think it was after the safety car from the Alonso Stroll crash uh, between Leclerc and. Max, like that, that reminded me of the Saudi Arabia, like early season kind of race. Tussles. Those two. I, I'm hoping Ferrari have a strong car next year that these two can go head to head for the whole season. I think they, we definitely know they have a strong car because um, there's going to be a, you know, iteration of this car. It's just, can, will they have the consistency and iron out their um, sort of managerial problems to back up the strength of that car and to minimize you know, their worst weekends, which is sort of what we've been saying all year. Yeah. It's how how um, much you get out of your worst weekends that make or break your championship, not how, um, you know, how good your best ones are, especially if you look at how um, in the first four races, Max, you know, surrendered 50 points with, you know, two car engine blow-ups that look so insignificant now um, due to the mishandling of, of, you know, how far I have, you know, run their season. So... I think that's going to be their biggest hurdle. And I think realistically, with the money that they have at their disposal, they should be able to fix that up quick, smart. Um, You know, saying it is one thing, but doing it is another, I suppose. Imagine um, Mercedes get on top of their their car and we've got a, you know, a a three-way battle between Lewis, Carlos, uh, not Carlos, sorry, Charles and Max. I think that'll be, that'll be epic because, all three, I think, are, are a level above even their teammates. Yeah. Obviously, a level above everyone else. But, yeah, I think those three, if their cars are strong enough, could be as good as last year's season where it just went down to the last race. Well, one thing I thought was a bit – I was a bit disappointed when um when Lewis got to the front. I thought, here we go. You know, let's – I predicted that he would get a win before the end of the year and I'm running out of races now. And I really thought this was going to be the one – um, but it was that Red Bull is so quick, man. Mm. And, you know, and, and for the, for the Mercedes and Lewis to get hunted down. So look, well, it looked easy. Um, you know, definitely shows how much work is cut out for Mercedes and you can see why they're mulling, while they were mulling over re, redoing the whole car rather than building on that car that they have at the moment. Um, but 
yeah, I was I was I was disappointed to say the least. I thought that we're going to get a you know a Mercedes uh, Mercedes win this year, and I think they deserve one. Um, but you know, it wasn't meant to be today. Uh, and I suppose the track itself probably didn't suit, um, you know, him being able to hold off Max. The track is so wide. Um, but I thought that that like I said before, that little bit of um, you know overtaking between the two of them. Uh, fighting for the lead was was beautiful. It was sort of like synchronized, um, synchronized swimming kind of thing. They were, you know, moving around each other beautifully through that whole um, start of the um, third sector. And um, like the, it got to the stage when I thought, yeah, Max has this, but you know, that's what we want to see. We want to see cars rubbing and you know getting close and be able to follow and then being able to pull off you know moves like that. Um, but yeah, hopefully. We do get a Mercedes win this year. Uh, you know, just give us something to believe for next year that they'll be back. Because I think they will be back, but I want to see something as well. Yeah, I think they will be. Um, but if Red Bull get this, you know, proposed fine or whatever it is that that's circulating, that they'll get twenty five percent less wind tunnel time. I don't know how much effect that'll have on their car, but it may it may allow Mercedes and Ferrari to catch them. A little bit, so it's not as that you know the, the pace differential isn't so big. That's. I think we'll be seeing a very Red Bull-looking Tour Rosso if that's the case. To be honest, just for a little bit, just to do some air testing. Why wouldn't? <laughs> why wouldn't they use like? I don't know. I'd no, I definitely, I definitely Red think Bull they would share their IP with AlphaTauri anyway. Not allowed to. Yeah, but you know yeah. they all do it. Yeah, I know they do it, but there there are certain components that you're not allowed to um. Mm-hmm. You know, we we saw the whole thing with the um, what are they, the old racing point, um, Mercedes rip off. You know, not uh, racing. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's what I want to touch on quickly. I thought racing. Uh, Aston Martin looked really good to this week. They um, they you know, they man. they both looked really comfortable this week, and I think it was somewhat unfortunate with the whole um, Stroll Alonso incident, which I think was Stroll's fault major uh, in the majority late move um, yeah but I think Alonso came up even quicker than he expected but I think for them this was a really you know good race for them they've been looking a little bit better recently um, and you know to see them cutting it with the uh, Alpines and the McL- and the uh, McLarens I thought was you know for all uh, Aston fans probably a bit of light at the end of the tunnel a bit of hope for next year um, and sometimes that stroll surprises me with his qualifying efforts, and sometimes he surprises me other other way with his racecraft. But <laughs> I'll keep defending him because he always, you know, shows me enough that I think, yeah, he's still got, you know, he's still young and he's got a little bit to to prove or to show. He's like, for me, he's like a Jesse Lingard. Everyone still thinks he's so young, but he's not that young. <laughs> but yeah, fair enough. That's true. Um, Jaylings. It's. it's <laughs> It's exciting, I guess, that Fernando's going there next year to see what he will get out of the car. Yeah, Be- because I think he'll he'll drag them along, for, like further than where their car is, which will be good. So you think he'll definitely get more out of it than than Seb's getting? Yep. Okay. I, I think Seb's doing a great job. Don't get me wrong, but I think Fernando at this stage is just a, a level above. You just think Fernando's better at getting it, you know, the the, the the you know, the last ounces of 
of um sort of goodness out of a shit car because he's more used to it. <laughs> he's, he's made so many shitty moves. Yeah. But, um, I, I honestly don't know how he's going to last at that team with Stroll. But anyway, that's like with... Well, Stroll's been relatively quiet, really, like really, if you think about it, in the last, you know, couple months. Yeah. Um, which is probably by design. Um, you know, I just, I was happy to see them not being the laughing stock because now the whole midfield does look very interesting going into next year. Um, Even Harson, yeah. like Albon today. Yeah, he, he looked a, good. He had a good race. He looked good until the end. I think his tyres went on him, but he was looking racy. Um, Goatif, he didn't really look that good today, which um, was a bit disappointing in the American race. And But, you know, also with Williams um, naming Sargent as the you know, the second driver for next year, as long as he gets the um, appropriate points. I mean, it's great for Logan Sargent. It's great for um, US F1 fans. It's great. You know, it's less, they've got a a, um, a driver who, that's a massive job for him though next year. He's going to have to promote three races. Um, yeah, it's a massive, you know. To promote either, so... Huh? That they use Danny Rick as a bloody American promotional tool as well. That's right. So like, so Logan Sargent and Haas will probably be the two promotional tools that mm. F1 can pull out. I mean, he's from Florida, so he'll be able to promote the Miami race easily. It'll probably be like a homecoming race for him. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of pressure on him. But, you know, I, I the midfield battle, I think, by the time we get to the end of the year and close up shop, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the off-season um, and see what the pecking order looks like when we get back to testing in Valencia um, and see, you know, who can sort of maximise the packages that they finished this year with and, and um, you know, optimise them and bring some new stuff to them that when we, you know, get to next year, um, we'll see like a new established pecking order, see if it changes or see if it stays the same. But like at the moment, it is looking interesting. Like every week at a different track, there's a different pecking order. So just seeing who can capitalize on that. I, I am feeling like Alpine is moving quicker than, say, your McLarens. Yeah, they're definitely. And, and your Alpha Tauris. Like, they just seem kind of in a no man's land at the moment between the top three and the rest of them. They do, but they uh, you, you want them, they, you know, they want to finish the season with the points to prove that as well, I suppose. Um, but yeah, definitely. They've also got they've also got probably the most money out of that midfield team to be pushing for the front, and they're the, they're the team that wants to be in the in the front fight. Doesn't want to be in this midfield fight, um, you know, for Renault's sake. Um, so I would definitely be like saying they they probably need to be there more than all the other teams. Um, but yeah, hundred percent. They they look most comfortable at most um the most comfortable at the most variety of tracks. Uh, but like I'm saying, like more for the Astons, Williams, Haas, Alpha Tauris, they're all looking a lot more competitive the closer we get to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Williams' biggest problem, I think, is that they just haven't been able to score a race that have like both cars scoring semi-big points. Um, they're always getting like one points, two points, one points, two points. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where... Uh, 
Alpines, McLaren, Mercedes, Tourosos have had quite a few, you know, semi-decent double points finishes, which is what, you know, the second driver at Williams is needed for to push that, push that um, second, you know, point scoring car up. But, you know, looking at the race today, I think the midfield battle is looking, it's looking tasty for next year, which is healthy for the sport. Very healthy. Yeah, I agree. But in terms of Sargent, he has to finish within the top six at Abu Dhabi. Otherwise, he doesn't get the super license points. I think he will, though. He's been doing it all year. His car shits itself. Like, they're leaving a lot to chance for this guy to finish. Well, then if he if he doesn't, I think I think Michael uh, Mick Schumacher is going to be a shoe in. Yeah, well, he was looking quite racy at some at some points this weekend too, which was yeah. good to see. He was right on Lando's gearbox for a while. And how good was the last lap with um between Magnussen and um and Vettel? I thought that was great. Um, and then Magnussen looked like he was going to have a a mighty dive bomb on the last corner. And I thought, nah, don't do that, mate. That's not the, that's not the place. And he checked up and I was like, thank God, you know, how, how stupid it'll look. Um, but you know, like the midfield battle is looking, you know, there's always these good glimpses of, of, of fight between all the teams, which is, which is what you need, especially Haas, you know, at their home race to score some points and show, you know, somewhat positivity of what's been sort of a very mediocre uh, sort of mid-season after a relatively good start. Uh, You always want to perform in front of your home fans. Yep, agreed. Um, But this weekend, we've straight straight into another race. We've got Mexico. Yep. Um, I I love this event. You know, Mexico, Coda, Brazil, those three races in a row, they're all, I I love them all. Uh, Mexico, Day of the Dead, it all, you know, the whole party ties in. Um, Red Bull's always strong at high altitude. So I have a feeling that Max may break the the record for most race wins in a season. Um, if he does that, does he go? Does this go down as possibly the most dominant season in history? I think it will by, um, by default because of the most wins, but I'd like to see it as a percentage um, to see how that, translates i mean if 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 as a percentage it's it's still if by the end of the year as a percentage it's still just as high as all the other ones then for sure um yeah true but i think probably won 13 out of 15 or something right yeah so like yeah so and um yeah so if if as a percentage uh it's it's the um sort of most dominant season of of the year um then I'm, i'm i have nothing against giving that sort of title to him because he has been he's been um totally dominant this year it hasn't even been close and you know we we saw that by the season finishing you know four races before the end of the season uh and you know he's still got what three races after this you know imagine if he snags another two three wins um when we get to like 16 out of 24 or something 66 percent that's that's insane that could be insane, um, especially with with the two engine failures at the start of the year that we all forget about. Um, that weren't his fault. You know, that's insane. He was forty six points behind Leclerc after Australia. Like that was race three, and he was already forty six points behind. If 
if it wasn't for our MotoGP this year and the 95 points that Bagnaia has caught up this year, he probably could have been the uh, contender for, you know, best comeback of the year. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen because of our friends on two wheels. Um, before we get to our two wheel friends, any predictions for Mexico? Max, <laughs> as boring as that sounds. You know, the history's, history's behind him, form's behind him, mm-hmm. um, confidence is behind him. I mean, I don't know if I'll, I don't know if you want me to say something for... Um, clickbait? Or, yeah, not not even clickbait, just for, you know, a different opinion. I try and give out-of-left-field out opinions, um, but I just think it's going to be max. Even like when you say, when you say, give us our top fives, I try not to always put Max on the top okay. just because it's boring. Um, but in the back of my mind, I'm always like, oh, he's my pick. I'm sure that, I'm sure the bookies would, would also say that. Yesterday was the first time in a long time that I've put him as first just for that reason. I'm just hoping someone else take the win. But um, I have a couple. I think Williams or Albon are going to be super strong. You reckon? Uh, because of the track, like there's a lot of straights, there's a lot of high speed in Mexico, and we've seen Williams be really slippery. You reckon you can bring me an eighth? Yeah. That's all I'm asking for, an eighth. I think you can, mate, and I think Alpine are just gonna, again, because of the straights and the way the track is, I think they're just gonna look. They, they'll they'll be giving Mercedes a run for their money this weekend. I expected them to look better this week, though. To be honest, I didn't. I probably didn't realize how. Um, much of the track is still dominated by the, you know, the, the the twisties and the and the curves, which definitely probably doesn't suit them as much. Um, and that's probably why I was a bit surprised. But yeah, Mexico definitely doesn't have as much of of that, you know, that that mid speed and um, low speed corners that um, Coda has. Take the downforce off and go for it. Yeah, but, um, they'll be yeah, they'll be running lean. One hundred percent. So that's where I'm at. Now, MotoGP, um, again, if you haven't checked it out, jump on KO. Um, Peko seems to be closing out the championship. It's going down to the last race. But, um, yeah, mate, what, what, give us your thoughts on the race. It was a hard-in-your-mouth kind of race, to be honest. Um, you know, last week I questioned Quattararo's, um commitment. And also he's just, um, I questioned if he had mentally checked out or if he was, you know, suffering mental demons from like what we saw a couple of years ago. And I can say a hundred percent, that's not the case because he looked really good this weekend. Really, really good. Him and Bagnaia were starting from, I think, uh, 10th and 12th from qualifying. And within one lap, Bagnaia was up to third and he was up to fifth. Um, Mate, which was insane. Bastianini, two tenths yeah. finished behind Bagnaya. Like, surely that was team orders to be held to stay behind. I, uh, I, I, by the end of, it, I think it was, but um, like that's why I'm saying it was hard in your mouth kind of stuff. There was the uh, Martin broke away on the on the Pramac Ducati, and he was he was he had checked out after like six laps. He was two seconds ahead of everyone else. Um. And then it was uh, Bas- uh, Bagnaia and then Bastianini behind him. And everyone was saying, will Bastianini just sit behind him for a whole race? 
which wasn't the case. But first, Martin just no, you know, just his fault. Two seconds ahead, went too hot into a corner. You know, binned his race win, which is probably one of his biggest downsides at the moment. Probably why what's led to him not getting the factory Ducati seat. And then we saw some absolutely mental racing between Bagnaia and Bastianini again. Um, and there was definitely no team orders involved in that, to be sure. Uh, so much so that you saw the Ducati higher ups in the, in the um, in the pit in the pits, they looked like they didn't know how to control the situation. You know, you know, they were talking between each other, like what's going on. It was, it was somewhat comical. Uh, Bagnaia got in front. Sorry, Bastianini got in front and I thought, oh, Bagnaia will sit behind him and just, you know, wait this race out, you know, just take the points on off. I'll get a few points more ahead of Quadra, which wasn't the case because then he made a, a daring move back on Bastianini, uh, took the lead again. And all in all, um, there was a few times when I thought, oh, he's going to wipe him out. Um, they got very close, but all in all, Bagnaia comes home first, um, Bastianini comes home second, Quadraro comes home in third. Realistically, the championship is definitely in Bagnaia's hands. I think he just has to come 16th next race and Quadra has to win to... Um, to seal the championship, uh, which is, you would think, is not a hard task for him with the form he's coming on. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, you know, like my predictions for, for the Ducatis making a blockade for him this weekend didn't work at all. Uh, and 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 Quattararo looked so good on that, on that Yamaha. He was um, didn't look half as bad down the straights as I expected that I expected and then through the um through the bends looked really really good so you know I'm happy that the season's going down to the final week even if it's somewhat of a token um gesture I suppose but man what a race I mean I'm the one thing I'm disappointed with is uh Miller had a really bad start dropped down to 22nd and then to come back you know he was he was slicing through the field to come back to sixth um Great ride by him, I suppose. But yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, like he looked really, really comfortable. I think just his start was, he was starting from way back and he got totally swamped. Um, but, you know, great, great race. And I keep saying it, but another one, another great race. And, and the championship rolls on for, you know, one more, one more week. But this is insane. If you look at um, Bagnaya, right? He's got seven wins this year, 10 podiums, and probably six DNFs. Yep. Um, so it's yeah, all enough for him. It really is. It really, really is. Like, if you look at, um, you wouldn't think that after Bagnaia and Guadararo, um, Miller's got the third most podiums, which is mental. The guy's had um, a great season, eh? He's had a good season. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it great, but I'd definitely call it good. Really solid. He's been, hasn't been re-signed. He's had to find a new team. Like there's been a lot of stuff in the background where been very he's professional. Not feeling as supported as say Bagnaia would be, for him to still perform the way he has, I think is. He's been very, very, very professional. You know, uber like, professional. 
I guess my question is, where does this upturn of performance come from, Yamaha from Ferrari? Because we were talking about it last week. They've been kind of nowhere for the last five, six I'm telling you, they they all looked really good this weekend, to be honest. Um, Morbidelli looked the best he's looked all year. and He had to serve two uh, long lap penalties, which sort of screwed him. But uh, he was riding right with Quattararo the whole start of the race. Um, Cal Crutchlow on the uh, L, on the um, satellite Yamaha also set you know a fastest time in one of the practice sessions, and he looked really good. And he hasn't raced for three years or whatever it is now, two years. Um, like they, I was I was really surprised with how um, with how good Yamaha looked and I was sort of saying I didn't see them having any chance this this week um, and I was totally wrong totally totally wrong um, so I don't know maybe I, I just think I know too much maybe I just was blowing smoke up my own ass um, <laughs> but yeah they look they, they look good they look good I'm not I have to admit it they definitely surprised me really really did um, yeah, but one more week, we roll into Valencia, and it's all to play for. I mean, it's going to be massive for Ducati. Like, there's no denying, 15 year wait for the uh, for their second, you know, you know riders title. You know, it's, it's 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 like nine fingers is on the trophy now. You know, nine fingers and the stump of the tenth. It's so close. Um, you know, is it is it, is it generally a, a strong track for Ducati? I think every track this year is a strong track for um, for Ducati. To be honest, um, you know, I want to look up 202 2021's Valencia results. Um, well, like realistically, I haven't we haven't been to a track since just before the you know mid 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 season break that that hasn't looked like a Ducati track. That new bike looks so dialed in. It looks competitive anyway, and the the real the realistic answer is doesn't matter how competitive it is. You expect him to get in the top sixteen, you know. He doesn't even have to push for the front. So, so you think you you're saying he's got to come in the top sixteenth, and Quadraro's got to win for him to win the championship. If he comes sixteenth, he wins. There's no chance for Quadraro. If he falls, Quadraro has to still win. Yeah, I was going to say, surely Ducati, the other riders just block him or do their yeah. best to keep him off the win. Like, there's so many bloody Ducatis on the field. Like, oh, I'd be, I'll be very surprised if he gets the win. You want to know the results from last year in, in Valencia? Yeah. Bagnaia first, Jorge Martino, Ducati second, Jack Miller on Ducati third, uh, Mir on a Suzuki fourth, and then Quadraro, and then another Ducati. So, realistically, it's yeah. not looking bad at all. But like, I, I don't expect him to, to to even get involved in the um in the lead fight. I suppose the hardest thing is that with how many competitive bikes there are, you can't just you know just dwindle by the wayside anymore. Mm. But I would probably expect him to just let the let the front guys go. You know, stay in some clear air. Um, you know, and just just protect it from, 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 you know, safety because, you know, the ball's totally in his court now. I mean, even still, like he can fall off and I would probably expect a Ducati to win. Yeah. 
if if he if Ducati do take out the championship, what does that do for them and the sport moving forward? Do do they go on for a period of dominance, or do you think next year it's close again? Um, I th- I think the period of dominance began a couple of years back. Um, I think we're just seeing the fruits of a lot of hard work and them finally having a rider in the right position to win the the riders' championship. Um, because they won the constructors last year, didn't they? I think yeah, they won the constructors. They won the teams a couple of times as well, like in the recent past. So for them, it's 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 business as usual. I think it's just validation for the amount of money they've spent, the amount of investment they've made, and also the amount of bikes they've put on the grid that they've built their own luck. Um, which is all you can ask for. I hope it's I, I hope it's a um, it's sort of like a reminder to the other manufacturers and other teams that investing in the sport brings you success. You know, you shouldn't be scared of giving your satellite teams good bikes. We've seen Yamaha really not want to give, and even KTM as well recently not want to give the best bikes to their satellite teams. And Ducati, like, nah, we'll give you what we can because in the long run, it's, it's going to help us. Um, and, you know, up, up until now, it hasn't, you know, they haven't been able to show that with a, with a riders' championship. But, you know, this this could be the beginning of a golden patch for them, especially when you think that Bastianini is going on the bike next year. Um, and I said last week, I think the only thing that's going to screw them up next year is if them the riders, you know, have like internal problems and they and they're, and they're stuffing stuffing each other up. Because so I think that could be the biggest deterrent. I mean, we we keep seeing it. Bastianini doesn't want to let him win. He wants to put his his foot down, and Bagnaia doesn't want to let him win, and he wants to put his foot down. So you know, it always gets spicy like that. Yeah, but I mean, a little bit short though. Oh yeah, it's it's great for the sport. It's just not good for your heart when you're a Ducati fan like me, just waiting for a riders' championship for 15 years. You know, just <laughs> just get let's just get it done, guys, and then and then play for you know silly buggers when it's all said and done. So big weekend in MotoGP, um, and it's I think it's good. At least one of the two major categories that we report on are going down to the final weekend. Um, yeah, but yeah, good stuff over in MotoGP. I'm I'm excited next year for Miller to be on a KTM. To be honest, I'll be doing a bit of reading about it um, and how they've dominated other categories and how yeah. the amount of investment that they're putting into MotoGP could potentially mean that they move closer to the front of the grid. Is that? something you see, you can see happening or yeah i think um because he's an aussie no i think the amount of money they're putting into it is is massive and and your money can buy you a lot of things i think also if you look at the you know the riders that they bring in they're bringing a lot of experience um because i think they you know they just want to get you know some experience um sort of um feedback i think that's the one thing that that's probably hurt Remy the most is that he's a he's a rookie and um you know at the I, th- I think at this stage they're not ready for you know to put their rookies on a bike because they need to put um they need as much you know data from you know testing and just an experienced rider who's been there and done it all I think that's what Jack and Paul are going to give them because they're good at you know well Paul especially is good at developing bikes except the Honda it seems um 
and, you know, Jack's probably been the best of the rest for the last couple of years. You know, so to put him on the bike, he's been better than all their riders, to be honest. Um, I don't think you're reading too much into it. I just don't want, I just want to see what they bring to testing at the end of the year. Because yeah. we thought we thought last year we're going, that we're going to have the, a big uptick and then they started from the back foot this year. So I just don't want to, um, you know, gas <laughs> them up early again. Yeah, but they're doing all the right things. That's that's the main thing. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Now you wanted to discuss supercars, mate. We have the Gold Coast. Is it five hundred this weekend? Gold Coast uh, six hundred. Six. Uh, I'm sure it's a six hundred. Um, yeah, I'm sure. It's, but now you've made me second guess myself. Um, yeah. Oh no, it's not. It's a 500. Yeah. Stunning. It is a 500. Look at me. <laughs> they uh? have been. They have been posting up non-stop um, videos of races that have been on there in the past. You know. The battle between, I think it was McLaughlin and Winterbottom a few years ago, um, mate. That track, just just it's the, a great, the, it's a great street track. It, the aesthetics of it, I love it. I, I'm actually keen as for this weekend to watch this. Um, does, uh, does SVG close it out this weekend? Hundred percent. I don't think there's any doubting that. My first thing I wanted to discuss actually was the title of this race because it's the boost mobile gold coast 600 500 my my bad all right <laughs> so we're talking about um red bull before and 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 the change of landscape that they cause in formula one yep. um you know and we've mentioned peter Addison and boost mobile before in the in the pod very outspoken gentleman <laughs> Having said that, has it has invested a lot of money and put his mouth, you know, and he's put his money where his mouth is for um, everything that you know he has said in terms of the category itself. Um, he's pulling his funding from Erebus next year because he wants to. He's been saying for many years now he wants to start his own team. Right, he's been sponsoring cars. I think for the last. Five years in the sport. Um, yep. He's he moved to double sponsorship for a couple of years ago. This year we saw him sponsor three cars in the Bathurst Great Race. He's sponsoring an event. There is one racing entitlement left for next year that he has said. If supercars let him use it. He wants to run Richie Stanaway as long as Stanaway wants to run next year in the championship. He won't take any of the proceeds from you know the um. The, the team the team gets um, from being in the sport for three years. So none of the teams can sort of kick up a stink that they're not going to get as much money back. Yep. Um, so he's pretty much saying, I'm going to run at an even bigger loss for three years, you know, just to run Richie Stanaway from, you know, the great um, feel-good story that was at Bathurst. Now, my, my sort of dilemma is, okay, he, he talks of a big game, is very critical of supercars. And realistically, you need teams to be critical of of the product as well as you know being positive about the about the product but there is i see no negative about letting him have this racing entitlement and being part of the sport he's in, like he's he's bringing money he's bringing sponsorships to the sport you know 
Um, and, and, and as a sport, you need as much money as you can get. And it doesn't matter how um, scathing he is of some decisions. Um, let him, you know, let him, he, he is very confident about himself and about, you know, building a team to rival Red Bull. He's got the money behind it to do it. Uh, like I just, I don't know the hesitation with supercars behind letting him to actually get his hands dirty, you know, run a team, see if he's actually as good as it's, it's as easy as he thinks it is, or he can, he can do it as well as he thinks he can. Cause either he's going to come in, it's going to be too hard and he's going to leave, or he's going to come in and build a great organization, which is just going to, you know, fuel the competition in the sport. Um, I saw Ryan Walkinshaw comment on one of his tweets about um, getting into the sport. And then uh, he just pretty much said, uh, it's, it's about time to shut up and buy a wreck then, mate. And I thought that was a, a good bit of um, banter between, you know, uh, owner and a potential owner. But, you know, I think that's what, like in terms of a sport, to see it continually growing, fresh money is a vital part of keeping a sport continually growing. Um, so, you know, let him spend couple million running his own team. I don't see any downside in it. I just don't know the hesitation with the supercars and also the teams as well, to be honest. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. If he's not, if he's saying, I'm not going to take any of the proceeds, um, so you're not going to lose out, what is the hesitation in letting him? Well, I think that, I think that was one. I think that was the main hesitation for a lot, a lot of it. The teams had been promised a certain amount of money back. Yeah. And then letting him in was going to interfere with that. Uh, but like now that he's pulled, you know, he's he's pretty much, um, you know, stated that he's not going to take any of the money from, um, from the other teams. There's no reason for for us to not see him next year. But my thing is more, if he has invested this much t- money um, in the sport so consistent, so consistently. I don't think any of his, he's, he's uh, been involved in on a Tickford car. He's then been involved in running a uh, double sponsorship on the Walkinshaw team. He's then been involved in running sponsorship on the Erebus team, you know, running a, a, a wild card entry as well on the Erebus team, um, you know, bring, being involved in bringing Will Brown and uh, Brody Kostecki into the sport, personally sponsoring them as well. You know, so it's not like, it's a one and done thing. That's a, you know, there's a track record of backing youngsters of backing teams that, you know, are trying to push up the grid. Um, so like, you know, before, before we discussed the weekend, I just wanted to, to see what your thoughts on that were, because, you know, I, I just think it can only benefit the sport. Yeah, I agree. But I guess from playing devil's advocate for him, if there's only one position left on the grid, he's going to want to run a two-car team eventually, surely. Eventually, he will. So, but I think... where, does that, where does that come from? Did Tickford lose a car? Like, what's? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. I think we're going to get to a stage where I I don't know how they can tr- how the powers that be can control it, but I think if we, it is always better for us for a sport to have more teams um, running the same amount of cars than, you know, than less teams. Uh, do supercars 
force the sale of a wreck or pull a wreck or, um, or, or limit the amount of cars teams can run. I think eventually we're going to get to that stage. Um, I mean, this is probably a, a real dick thing to say, but would I rather see two new well fund uh, like a well one new well funded organization that was running two cars and we take say two back marker brad jones cars off the grid i mean that's a that's a no-brainer um i mean that, and it is a dick thing to say because that's you know it's a team's livelihood there mm. um but i think for like the actual show that's a no-brainer um also like tickford like do we pull you know, one of their wrecks, they've got, what, three wrecks? Do we pull one of them or two of them? Because I know that Blanchard Racing also want to move to a two-car system as well. Um, so they're both sort of in the in the, in the lurch there. Um, and I, I, I'm a firm believer of, yeah, make, it, uh, make them two-car teams if we get to that stage and mandate it, um, you know, because we, we'll have the same amount of drivers. But it's just... You know, it's it's. I think it's just more sust- more uh, sustainable for a sport if you've got more teams trying to bring in you know the same amount of money into the sport than less teams. It just it's just math. It's just like uh, quick uh, quick math, simple maths. Um, it's, it's like the Formula One not letting new teams in. Like surely more teams means more sponsorships, more you know. It is more revenue like, overall. Formula One is 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 at a, is at a place coming from complete strength, right? There's, no one's competing with them, but supercars is not coming from a, a place of complete strength. So having the ability for the sport to you know to grow and have other people you know other teams market your sport, which is really what it is, hmm. as well. Um, you know, it just seems like an absolute no brainer. Um, you know, and even just to like let him be on the grid with one car, um, you know, just to actually see if, if it's exactly what he wants to do, you know, like just to, you know, just to say, all right, he's, he's your chance. Is this what you, do you actually want to pursue it? Because he's been there long enough now that we know that he's not just, you know, he hasn't just come in like willy nilly. He's, he stayed there for a couple of years sponsoring teams. Um, I think he even tried to buy the, the to buy the series when they were up for sale. Uh, which which didn't happen, but yeah. Just before we we discussed the the um the weekend, I just wanted to you know put that out there that I think it's you know about time for Supercast to let him have a go, you know, just make it happen. I don't care what strings you have to pull. Just actually, let's make it happen. Let's get you know get some new blood on the grid. Well, Supercast, if you're listening, get some blood on the grid. It's what we want, really. More cars. Like, that's one of the things I love about supercars, that the grid's pretty much full. Like, another car, even better. Yes, it's, it's, it's a robust grid, but we can't, you know, you can't get complacent. That's the main thing. You can't get complacent. So, the Boost Mobile Gold Coast 500. You know, I, I'm, so, I'm so at a loss now. Cause I thought it was a 600. I thought it was the same... Um, I thought it was the same uh, was it like week setup we've always had, but it's not. It goes back to a six hundred next year. So I don't even know. I don't even here we go. I don't even know what the how the weekend is going to run. I feel like an absolute fraud. Do, 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 do. 
yeah, like I'm, I'm talking about something that I shouldn't be talking about because I didn't even know it was a 600. Well, there is um, another good aspect of the weekend, I guess, is the Tasman Cup's going to be happening with the S5000. Yep. Which is always always fun to watch, and I'm sure that'll be on... Usually the S5000's on Stan, isn't it? Yeah. In sport, so... But I think on Supercars Weekends, they're on... I think on Supercars Weekends, they're on Foxtel. Are they? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, Tasman Cup should be good. That was good last year, so... That'll be a nice little... Um, teaser for the supercars races yeah but um yeah gold coast 5000 stunning track um at gizzy has been on fire um yeah I, I essentially i can't see that changing to be honest no i, I think surely the, the championships get gets locked up this weekend how many events i think there's another two events after this or is it only one one more there's this and then there's the um I think it's one more. I think it's just this and then the Adelaide, Adelaide 500. Um, but yeah, I think this weekend, I think he just has to hold serve and uh, he's, he's, he's won it. I see he, he, this is how much of a fraud I am. This is only a one driver event. I'm thinking it's a two driver event. Oh, like a co, co-driver? Yeah, I thought it was going to be a co-driver event. It's not, it's just a, a normal 500, two 500 races. Oh my God. I'm sorry, people. I keep I come on here pretending I'm an oracle of supercars and I don't even know what the events are. That's all right, mate. Oh my I gosh! Know. I don't know if you've heard of the Pit Stop Boys. I think they're they're a podcast in the UK who've mm-hmm. fought on Formula One. Yeah. And someone asked them a question of where did Sebastian where has Sebastian Vettel driven throughout his career, and they were adamant that he'd only driven at Aston Martin and Ferrari. They that was it. Didn't even mention Red Bull, so all Toro Rosso. So they're the frauds, mate. We just got a couple of things mixed up. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I realised why I was a fraud, though, because yeah. tickets for this for next year's race have come on sale, and it's back to a six hundred. So I've probably been seeing that for the last couple of weeks, and I've just thought, oh, it's a, it's a six hundred. Yeah. No, you know, I'm 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 so happy to finally see them, see the um, supercars hit the streets of Surfers Paradise again. It's been a um, it's been a long time. Oh, not Surfers, the Gold Gold Coast. It's been a long day Surfers. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Um, you know, through all the COVID and stuff. Uh, and like what we say, it's one probably one of those sort of crown jewel events on the calendar. Uh, very, you know, sort of the Singapore Grand Prix of of supercars. So, you know, realistically, it's, it's one of the best races to watch. I've never been there live, but in, in terms of on, sitting from my screen, it's such a good, tra- a good, uh, good track to watch racing at. And, you know, going back to all these tracks this year that we hadn't been to for a couple of years, it's been absolutely awesome. I can't wait to go back to Adelaide as well after that. But, you know, we've got this weekend first. Hopefully Chaz can bring me some joy. I'm not counting my, um, I'm holding my breath because I think realistically it's going to be a gizzer to, to win weekend that we've seen sort of a couple of times in the latter half of this year. But, you know, turn on KO this weekend, guys, and, and have a watch. I think it's a great race to watch if you're um, new if you're new to the sport. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a great um, advertisement for the you know the best parts of the sport. You know what? 
what I what I've been doing. I've been seeing on my phone, but go on Supercars Facebook page. They've been posting up videos all week, and Scotty McLaughlin's been reposting them. Like, there's some epic things that have been happening. But um, watching just quickly before we finish up, watching those videos, it made me think: Can you foresee another manufacturer coming in anytime soon? Because um, the Volvos, they had the Nissans, they, you know, nice to see a third car on the grid. I know there's, I know there's been interest brewing between a few of a few teams. Realistically, I would say, if there is, they're probably waiting to see how Gen Three is received and also how, you know, how close of a category it is to then join. I mean, it would make no sense for a team to to, to commit to it without seeing you know, the product that they're going to, you know, be be pretty much developing a car for. Um, but, yeah, I think there's potential for a lot of manufacturers to join. I, like off the top of my head, I think if you're like a manufacturer like Dodge or Chrysler, uh, getting involved in that action would probably be, if, if that's what you wanted to do, would be, you know, a real cool prospect. I mean, having said that, Dodge had pretty much closed the door on any NASCAR plans two weeks ago. So I don't know if they're looking to get into, you know, normal combustion engine racing, but yeah, like we've got so many cool manufacturers here that I think have cars that could get in and amongst it. I'd like to see a, a, a Toyota 86 or a Toyota super version um, car get involved in it. Um, I am a firm believe that, you need other manufacturers, like more manufacturers in the sport also better. But I think how it has to be done has to be much more calculated than how they did it before. You need like a, at least a group of six or eight cars to come in all at once and sort of share share resources, share um, data, help each other sort of grow all at once. Like if you're not going to do it like that, I think it's you're pissing in the wind. Um, it's like if a team, if a manufacturer was to do it and get involved they would definitely have to do it how Ford have, you know, named this Mustang, you know, group of nine cars, Ford Ford Racing. There's going to be shared data. There's going to be a, mm. you know, Ford Racing um, oversight among all the teams. Like that, you have to do it properly. Uh, and as long as a manufacturer is willing to spend that money and do it properly, by all means, I can see someone happening. Well, I can see it happening. Um but I think they'd all be sort of waiting and 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 watching and just seeing what we're actually going to get because no one really knows what we're going to get yet. Yep. But I would like it. I would like it. I'd like to see Kia Stingers involved. To be honest, I think they're like the um the what's the word the best choice in terms of a, a, a market relevant car. Mm. Um, in in the Australian market, that also looks cool, and I think the perception of Kia could change drastically if they got involved in something like that. Hundred percent. Yeah, I can't think of any other kind of larger cars like that. Like the you said, the eighty six, but I feel that would be tight. Like I know I know the chassis probably would fit it, but yeah, it just seems like a really small car. But um, yeah. Anyway, I think we'll. We'll wrap it up there, mate. Uh, this next week we'll have a review of the um, Mexican Grand Prix and the Gold Coast 500, um, not the 600. 
Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Get keen. Guys. You know, keep keep jumping on the YouTube, subscribe, like like the videos, jump on the on our socials, like, subscribe, all that kind of thing. And um, yeah, looking forward to another great weekend of motorsport. Joey, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me, mate. Always a pleasure. Always. All right. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. buddy.